Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for the Church Planner Podcast. That's right. Favorite part of the week. I don't know what to say. It's not my favorite part. (laughs) Oh, man. This has been the week of Machete. Not the movie Machete. The Star Wars series Machete. Now, it's funny you say that because my birthday was on Wednesday and Andrew asked me what I want to do. And of course, you know what my answer was, right? Watch Star Wars. (laughs) I was totally thinking something else, but okay, (laughs) that's great. I wanted to watch Star Wars with my daughter who's never seen it before and she's six years old. And dude, I am telling you, I so Saturday we're watching Empire. So it is also the week of Machete. In the Jones house. And for those of you who don't know what Machete is, Machete is the correct way to watch the Star Wars movies. The five-pack of movies, not the six-pack, because Machete, well, you actually ditched the Phantom Menace, which, as I like to say, didn't really happen in the Star Wars universe. That movie doesn't exist. No, but it has excellent art in it. So you watch Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, then you go back to Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and then you hit Return of the Jedi. That is the correct way to watch the Star Wars series. It's called Machete. The only problem, though, is that you don't get Darth Maul. That is a problem. You know, it kind of is because that could have been such a cool character. And he played such a small role and then gone. Yeah. Yeah. He should not have died. He should have continued through that whole trilogy. I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to be the Darth Vader of yeah. 
that new trilogy, but no, he's dead. He should have been, man. I mean, Lucas really lost the plot with that. But, you know, luckily, even on Empire and Return of the Jedi, they didn't let him do too much. I mean, other people kind of got involved, you know. So uh, that's why those movies were so good. But what was funny is I'm watching this with Liberty, and she's smart, dude. She's smarter than mom and dad put together. And uh, <laughs> just saw this big hand come into my face on the camera. <laughs> I was adjusting my photo. I see, you see, I see the top of my head is being totally cut off, and it's bothering me. I kind of liked it. There, now I'm better. You now, like now you can see all of me in my glory. I was kind of picturing you being like Megamind, you know, when you take those pictures on Apple, you know, and your head's like super big, like the leader on the Hulk. I was I picturing no you like as this evil master genius. No idea. But anyway, so Liberty, though, she is crazy smart. And so she's watching Star Wars. Now, I got to confess, watching Star Wars as a kid, the <laughs> welcome to Church Planner Podcast. We talk about Star Wars and complete nonsense, maybe Knight Rider and G.I. Joe for a long time. And then we eventually talk about church playing. But anyways. And we throw in a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, occasionally, you know, it's got to pay for all the Star Wars stock. But but here's the deal, right? Liberty is so smart. She's watching this thing. And at like 16, heck, maybe even 26, I didn't know that the droids were carrying the Death Star plans the whole time. What do you mean? I know that. What droids? Well, you know, like R2-D2 and C-3PO. R2-D2 is carrying the Death Star plans the whole time. In his, in his little mechanical body. And so the yeah. whole movie is trying to get him back. You're talking about the original Star Wars movie. Yeah. So when I was a kid, this is, this is how I watched Star Wars. It was like Charlie Brown listening to his teacher. Wah, 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 wah. Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. That's, okay, so I'd watch a movie, and this is what it was. I'd be watching it and drooling out the side of my mouth, kind of spacing out. And then in my head, I'd be thinking, when is the next lightsaber going to pop? <laughs> And then the other question in my little brain was, when's Darth Vader coming back? You know, that, that's all I cared. Those were the two bits of screen time I really cared about. And, uh, and the little chess game that they play. Liberty, we're watching this thing. She's picking up everything. At the last fight with the X-Wing fighters, she's going, oh, dad, there's only three left now. She's counting those things, man. <laughs> she knows. Like, she's getting the suspense. In the very beginning of the film, I go, hey, babe. Uh, Princess Leia's kind of bending over and, you know, putting something in R2-D2. What's going on there? And she goes, she's putting a card in his head. And I go, yeah, well, why do you think she's doing I just want to track, like, where she was. She goes, right. Death Star plans, Dad. They're on that card. I'm like, whoa, six years old. <laughs> and she asked me after a few minutes, because I keep checking back in. She goes, shh, Dad, stop talking during the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you want to know what Luke does? Luke, who's younger than Liberty, like he's three and a half, you know, coming up on four this summer. He, like, once the action hits the screen, he can't contain himself. He has to go run to his room. And, like, when we were watching Empire Strikes Back, the speeders going up against the AT-ATs, yeah, he had to go grab his and bring it out to the front room. And then, like, another scene happens. He's got to go grab his his vehicle and bring it out to the front room. And Dude, then pretty soon that. he's just like, he, he's like, he can't watch the movie. He's got to grab his lightsaber and just start hitting everything all over the house. You know, you know why I absolutely believe that? Because every time he sees me, he does the same thing. He runs up to me and starts fighting me. Yeah. For some reason, he's got it in his head that he's Iron Man right now. So that's his little, that's why he shoves his hands out like that. 
Yeah. He's doing the Iron Man I thing. thought he was being Spider-Man, so I started shooting him with webbing the other day. Yeah, he, he probably didn't recognize that. No, he didn't know what it meant. I said, oh, I'm, I'm Spider-Man. I'm shooting you. And he, he just kind of looked at me like, whatever, dude, and kept fighting me and, you know. You okay, Hoser? I'm your father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you knob. He saw Jedi 17 times, <laughs> eh? <laughs> Jelly donut coming, Jose. Take off, eh? Yeah, so it's funny because he'll get up and leave, and I'm like, I, I would just want to keep watching. <laughs> it's like, I don't even care. Yeah. Like, no, I'm into it. But I, I finally did it, man. I broke down and I bought the digital versions because, like you said, putting in Blu-ray disc was too hard for me. Yeah, I can't be changing all kinds of discs. I, I can't be know. getting up from my chair, pressing in all a new kinds disc. of buttons, you know. Yeah, yeah so dude. it's just been digital for me. <laughs> How how is the quality of those compared to the Blu-ray? Uh pretty good. Pretty oh, good. nice. Yeah, it's it's HD, so you got to figure they weren't shot in HD, so it's going to be pretty much the same across all platforms for the original three. That is, uh, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. Right on, it's man. On a well, if disc. if you're going to be redundant on any one thing, buying Star Wars is welcome to the Star Wars Church Planner Podcast. <laughs> you know how many Star Wars copies I've got? I got it on VHS. <laughs> I got the special edition release VHS. I got the DVDs. I got the Blu-rays, and now I got the digital. I feel you, dog. I know your pain. I have all the same. They keep coming back to me and tagging me for more money. That's all I'm saying. Don't make me destroy you. <laughs> True or do not. There is no try. Always do. There are a master and an apprentice. Which Only one am I? Sith speak in absolutes. And that's why today we're going to talk about the 10 church planning commandments. Because Pete is actually the Sith Lord of this podcast. And I'm the church planning Jedi. That's, Just saying. That's actually, wow. I think you actually nailed that one. You nailed our rules. Yeah. Yeah. You did name your son Luke. I mean, it, you know, you kind of brought that on yourself. I did. I did. Who does that make you? Well, you know, we were at Disneyland the other day, as you know, because you were there too. And uh, I finally saw it. I saw the person who has the t shirt of Darth Vader and it says, number one dad. <laughs> and all I could think was, yeah, I should have that t shirt. I should You be should have that t shirt. Yeah. Most definitely. But uh, especially that day, dude. That day was like, you saw me. I was, we were miserable by that point. Like everything was going wrong. Like it was hot. It was crowded. Luke was just being a pain. The baby was crying. Oh my gosh, dude. I was like, get me out of here. So when Jamie goes, I just want to leave. I'm like, yes, I win. I get to leave (laughs) Disneyland. I hate this place. She's like, you know what sucks more than coming to Disneyland with Pete? Coming with Pete and Peyton. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we didn't even get to hang out. I know. I know. We were on this tour which if you listen to hardcore church planning, then you will know that we were on a tour uh, of Disneyland with Plain Joe Studios. So you can hop on over and we talk a little bit about um, design and the Disney way and um, just some cool stuff that, you know, I'm always interested in how people do stuff like how Starbucks created that third place uh, dynamic. That was very instrumental in my first church plant. But uh, it's a pretty cool little interview. You should go over and check it out. We actually were walking in that interview from where do we start? We started off at that big thunder ranch barbecue pit and we walked all the way down past in the very beginning of the podcast. You hear this girl bump into me and go, sorry, <laughs> you just hear it faint. It was really loud on the day, but uh, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of awkward, but we're walking down like 
you know, past the, what is it, like the Rivers of Tomorrow or whatever it's called. Um, I have no idea. Tom it's Sawyer Disneyland. Island. I try and block out as much of Disneyland as possible. Dude, we're walking like through Adventureland, Pirates of the Caribbean. We're walking like down Main Street and this big Dixieland band is Dapper Dan starts singing. And I'm like, okay, I got to pause it now because just corny as all get out and loud. You know, but, we should uh, actually offer a, uh, a contest because you just reminded me of it. Um, I, I literally, before the podcast, I just ordered... 40 DVDs and 40 CDs of our interview with Francis Chan. We should run a contest. Woohoo! And give that out. How to, uh, the, the title of that particular, uh, uh, video. And we did the audio version. We stripped out, uh, the audio for those who'd rather just pop it in their car and go is how to, we, what do we call it? It's, um, how to make a stand and fight sex trafficking with Francis Chan. And Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. Yeah. And that other guy. And, and the Sith special. Lord. And the Sith Lord. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, like you said, today we are going to be talking about the Ten Commandments of Church Planning. And before we do that, we've got to do a little bit of uh, a little bit of sponsorship info. Mama, your mama, your mama likes Mogiv. Mama, mama, for your mama. So uh, I was going to say, do you want to introduce our uh, our commercial time with your Yoda voice? But you kind of just went right into it with with a little surf music. Yeah, you know that that was just that was just for your mama. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, oh. what you gonna do when the Church Planner Podcast runs little, wild on you? Little 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 rusty on the old. Uh, you know, sound box there, aren't we, Pete? Little did you know, we still have smack talk to do. No, actually, we don't. <laughs> so uh, today's uh, today's particular episode of the Church Planner Podcast is being brought to you by Mogiv. M O G I V, not M for your mama, mama, mama. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> Mogiv is an online text-based giving platform, so you can get your church peeps to give via text. Or to give via online. And I can say from our particular church plant, as the treasurer of the church, MoGive works. We got people who would rather give online because they get paid, you know, last day of the month or twice a month or on the 15th of the last day. And so they set up in MoGive a way that it just automatically uh, tithes for them. And that's one of the biggest benefits to MoGive is it really helps people be consistent in their tithing. Yeah, and we use it and we have a lot of people who don't even get paid at all. That's actually true. Yeah, a big <laughs> section of our church is uh, homeless. So I tell you, man, I've told you this before. I tell you, our homeless people, I think, have got some of the biggest hearts in the world. They're awesome. Like, you, you just you see when the bucket gets passed, right? And you see them putting in money, and I'm sitting there going, dude, it's like the woman with her two, uh, or with her two mites, right? It's like her, her last two cents in the world. That's, that's a lot of the people at our church. But for those that do have regular jobs, we got MoGive, so they can give regularly. So, you know, get signed up with MoGive. Go to MoGive.com forward slash church. George. Pressing the download button. Do not fire. Repeat, do not fire. I am a friendly, okay? Do not fire. We're all friendly. So let's just be friendly. (laughs) What is that from? That, my friend, is a little Battlestar Galactica. The greatest TV show of the modern era. 
I love it. That is one of the best. I pictured Sandra Bullock, you know, doing some heartwarming story in some third world country. But have you seen Battlestar Galactica, the new one? Uh, you mean the one that came out years ago, though, right? Uh, well, I, I mean, you know, the like relatively, yes, like, relatively in the new two thousands. Yes, I have seen uh, Starbuck is a girl. Starbuck is a girl. Kind of threw me off. Didn't think I liked it at first. She grew into the role. So just so you know, when I was young, I met Lauren Green at the airport. You meet everybody at the airport. I, I'm telling you, dude. Prince. Did you meet like Stan Lee uh, at sure. the airport? And Who? Stan Lee. I met Stan Lee there. I met, tell you, I met the voice of Donald Duck at Anderson's Pea Soup Restaurant when I was a kid. <laughs> he came up to me and my brother and started talking like Donald Duck. My mom's like, she recognized him. So she's like, oh, you know, but anyways, when we bumped into Lauren Green, my mom's going, she goes, oh, Bonanza. I mean, <laughs> look over and go, Battlestar Galactica. So, you know, it was kind of like, you know, a little something for every generation. Like our podcast. I, I loved Battlestar Galactica, the, the newest one. I've seen it probably four or five times. When they had it on Netflix, I would just, I would have that playing on my side computer while I was working. Oh, yeah. So good, man. And I, I just can't bring myself to spend 150 bucks for that. I can bring myself to spend 100 bucks to get another copy of Star Wars, but I can't bring myself to actually buy well, Battlestar Galactica. Let's face it. Star Trek, Battlestar, they're all cheap knockoffs of the real thing. Battlestar, I got to tell you, man, Battlestar Galactica was truly a unique piece of work. It had good writing. It had great writing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it had some great stuff. Well, that. here's the thing. This month on Church Planner Magazine, we just had a new issue hit the stands. One, just tell you guys about it before we head into the nitty gritty and we tackle the Ten Commandments of church planning. Um, uh, first, before off, we get to that, uh, let me just say for our smack talk today. Check, please. Okay, now we can move on. Right on. So uh, in our magazine this month, Church Planner Magazines, it's on the uh, iTunes newsstand. You can also get it on uh, the Android uh, device that you got. But uh, we got a couple articles of note that I just want to point out here. Um, first off, on the cover is Carrie, and I can never say this, Niwoof. 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 I don't know. <laughs> but he's in there, and he's on there. And uh, then we got Tom Wood. We've had Tom contribute quite a bit. Church Planner, what's next for you? Triumph Over Tragedy by Matt Nash. He is uh, the head of church planning, uh, African church planning for uh, Dynamic Church Planning International, quite a big organization. So we always try to have something kind of global in there. Because if you want to learn about church planning right now, you don't come to America. Well, you know, Americans always think that they know uh, kind of what's up with everything. It's kind of our manifest destiny, our white man's burden. You know, that whole thing that we've had going on in colonial society for hundreds of years. But uh, Matt Nash has got some good stuff to say on there. We've also got Our Church Failed, Three Lessons Learned by Bo Crescetto. One of the best articles written on church planning I've ever read. And the reason why is because it's from the perspective of a guy laying on his back, belly up, looking at the failed church plant from underneath saying, let me examine what I think went wrong. And you don't often get that perspective. You often have the guy who stands up as the big success and talks about how successful his church plant was. And Bo Crescetto on this, um, 
he just knocks it out of the park. He's honest. Uh, and just to give him a shout out, his site is releasetheape.com. We've also got Cameron Barber. He's a new church, uh, new breed church planner. He's got a, an article called Glass Jaw. And uh, right away, um, you, you ought to be checking that out. I've got an article in there called Church Plants Don't Need Your Pity. Um, Ron Edmondson, Seven Suggestions for Planning a Church or Revitalizing in a New Community. And uh, Rob Jacobs has the third wave of church planning from startup to scale. Those are just some of the articles. That's about half of them that are in there. It is a dynamite issue. Make sure you pick it up. You can get it, as I said, on iTunes. And that's enough of my commercial. You have failed me for the last time. And don't fail to uh, leave a review on uh, <laughs> iTunes. You like what I did there, Pete? That was kind of nice. Yeah. All right, Doc, take it away. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. All righty. So this week's topic is the Ten Commandments of Church Planting. So this is going to be, um, as typical, you're going to take the lead, Peyton, and barely let me get in a word edgewise because, I mean, that's kind of the way we roll. Except that today I'm going to do lots of long, awkward pauses. So you can fill in. I like it. And uh, so I'm going to ask you, I've actually got your list here. I, I asked you to put together the Ten Commandments of Church Planning. And I think I think you said, uh, I think I got like 12. Can we give him another two as bonuses? <laughs> can we add a couple in? I remember seeing on uh, The History of the World Part 1 by Mel Brooks, it, Moses drops a tablet. Oh, that's I come right. bringing the 20. Crack. The Ten, Ten. Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember that. That was great. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's go ahead and kick this thing off. All right. Commandment number one. I'm going to ask you to expand on these. So commandment number one you have here, thou shalt let Jesus be the head of the church, Ephesians 4.12. Go. I need to hear it in like a Cecil B. DeMille voice. Like, come on, bring, on, bring out your inner Moses via Charlton Heston. I can only do thou shall let come on. I can only do swing low in a good, deep, dark gospel voice. <laughs> Light a bush on fire outside for a little bit of ambience. Come on. Wait, I'm looking for my lighter. Where's my lighter? Here's my lighter. Let me hold it up to the camera. <laughs> All right. Now, now, now I'm there, baby. I'm transported. Thou shall let Jesus be the head of the church. So in your church plan, I, I think that a lot of people are playing church. I think that a lot of people are like, they just want a thing and they just want a thing to control. They want to be the boss. They want a church. It's kind of like playing house when you're a little kid, you don't really know what you're doing. And, you know, you can watch kids and it's cute. And they're like, I'll be the mommy and you be the daddy. And you pretend you're going to work and I'll have the baby. And, you know, they've got their little wooden house out in the backyard or their Fisher Price house. And that's really cute for kids. It's not cute for adults. They're to tell people that they're called to ministry. Um, the reality is that uh, playing church is never cool, never fun, and never attractive for anybody, but maybe the guy who's trying to play church. Hmm. Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head of the church. That means you need to be talking to him. That means you need to be asking him what he wants you to do. That means that you need to let go of the steering wheel. I can't tell you how many people that I talk to 
where their church planning story begins with them saying, I tried for years. I finally was ready to quit. And when I finally let go and stopped fighting God, things started happening. And I think all of us come into that place where we kind of hit the breaking point where Jesus is like, kind of like with Peter, right? Where he just sits there and goes, Peter, do you love me? You know, you want to be the greatest. You wanted all this crap, but Peter, do you love me? Like he, he boils it back down to what it was all about. It's all about Jesus. Um, and, you know, I can, I can kind of talk more. Uh, some of my other points are going to tie back into that, but that has to be kind of like the, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have uh, no other gods before me. It's kind of the same deal. It's the same kind of commandment. No other gods before Jesus, including you. All right. Commandment number two. Thou shalt know your mission and make reaching lost people a priority. Acts 20, 24. Well, and, and let me say, Pete, because, you know, we can do this as a dialogue. You can you feel free to break these commandments by all means and, you know, tell me tell me they're smack and uh, feed into them. Cause, yes, I'm the Sith Lord. Um, well, of course. No. Thou shalt know your mission and make reaching lost people a priority. Well, if it, okay, when it comes to to gathering a core team, one of the biggest mistakes that guys make is they don't let their core team know what it is they're actually trying to do. When you go and tell someone, "Look, we're going to plan a church," um, the average Christian is going, "Okay, why? Why are you going to do that?" Um, it's like if I go to Long Beach, um, I have to instill vision. Um, look, there are people here that are never going to get reached. I always say that we're the last stop before hell at Refuge Long Beach and that people don't want to plant there. People want to go. It's kind of like I'm in, I'm, I'm doing work in Oceanside right now. Everybody wants to plant in Carlsbad in 2005 and six. It was the fastest growing city in America. They're developing the crud out of this place. There are tons of millionaires here. Um, and the reality is Oceanside is right next door. Oceanside's where all the strip clubs are, all the motorcycle clubs, all the all the all the grotty areas are in Oceanside. It's a place that's kind of stuck in time. It's a little bit of Vice City Central, and uh, people don't want to plant there. And so I'm always fascinated by watching people uh, follow the white middle class tracks that the gospel follows that trajectory, and church planners who really. Uh, they want to have a big church with a lot of people with a lot of money. Um, so the reaching the loss is not a priority. Building their thing, their church with their sexy logo and, and their, their, their funny church name and their big website, that's what they're into. And they want a following. And so knowing your mission, your mission is to reach lost people. The same mission Jesus had, the same mission Paul had. And your church, everything needs to be about reaching lost people. Let me tell you something. If I sit down with a core team and my reason for planting is not to glorify Jesus in that area and tell them about the lost people that are broken there and the lost people that are going unreached there, um, then they're not going to be inspired to go build my thing, but they'll be inspired to go reach lost people. So you need to know your mission and it sure as heck better be to reach lost people. And I've got in there um, Acts 20, uh, verse 24, where Paul talks, you know, he's standing there with um, the Ephesians elders, 
And he kind of gives the summary for his ministry right there. And I, I always think that if everything we're doing can't echo Paul's thoughts, you know, Paul's moving around, he's a serial church planner, but he says this, he's just completely forgotten himself in, in the process of ministry, which needs to happen because a lot of our guys are, are, are living, you know, high on the hog in the lap of luxury. But he says, I do not count myself or my life of any value or as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. If that is not the reason you're in church planning, is that your life isn't important anymore and that you're making the sacrifice to testify to the gospel of God's grace, then please find another job. Please do something else because you're not on the same mission as the Holy Spirit. You're definitely not on Jesus' mission. All right, commandment number three we got down here is thou shalt not just target the middle class. Galatians 2.10. Go! So here's the deal is... uh, when Paul was meeting with the 12, they told him, only do not forget the poor. And Paul says, the very thing which I was eager to do. And so he goes about on his mission, and Paul has this burden for poor people for the rest of his ministry. And I think that we need to just hear that if the 12 were going to say anything to Paul, hey, Paul, when you're out there church planning, make sure you, and we would fill in the blank and put just about anything but reaching poor people. But that was the priority of the uh, 12, and I think we need to make it our priority. If you're not reaching the unreached, if you're not going to the places where people are marginalized, then you're not going where Jesus would go. Yeah. How was that? That was good. That was good. I like it. I like it. And and, and I should also throw in there, I agree. Wait, wait, with, wait, wait for it. You agree with who, though? Who do you I agree with? I agree with Pete. Yeah, I agree with Pete. <laughs> I love it. Love the sound effects. Except you agreed with Peyton. I don't have that as a sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Commandment number four. This is kind of a, this is a key one, I think. Um, Probably because it's, it's the most neglected of the commandments. And there will be some that will actually disagree with this commandment. But they don't listen to this podcast, so it's all right. No. No. Thou shalt build an effective core team made up of the five roles found in Ephesians 4.10. Yeah, so, you know, the way that the gospel went super fast and church plants were just spreading like wildfire in the first century was that they had team leadership in place. I call it the fist model because there's five leader types listed in Ephesians chapter 4. You got your apostle, your prophet, your evangelist, your shepherd, and your teacher. There were those that keep moving on. After they plant, there are those who stay behind. And as Paul is planting like a wild man, he's doing it in teams. He's got these interchangeable teams. And so team is a big deal. Just like they say there's no I in team, there's no I in church planning. The church plant should not be built around your preaching gift. It should not be built around how awesome of a leader you are. It should be built around Jesus on the foundation which Christ laid, which no other man can lay. That's on Jesus. That's on the grace of God. And those leaders interact with each other to get the work done faster, to spread the gospel, to spread the gospel quicker. And sometimes they use a train to spread the gospel. Yeah. Just just gonna throw that out there. This is uh this is kind of a this is a this is gonna be a 
I don't even know how to describe it. It's this is a powerful commandment. Thou shalt, this is commandment number five, thou shalt rely on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 8. Amen. And I think a lot of us, we learn this the hard way. Um, we, we, we have abilities and gifts. Some of us have natural abilities. Some of us have spiritual gifts. And we can tend to rely on those sometimes rather than actually relying on the fact that God is on the move and he will work through us, true, but sometimes he will work around us and even other times he'll work in spite of us. And so we need to keep that in mind as we're ministering that God's the one who just turns out and surprises you. Sometimes the presence of God comes and you are a spectator. And so we need to remember that, that there's going to be chance encounters, there's going to be miraculous events, there's going to be somebody happening to see a, a t-shirt and thinking, or you're going to bump into someone at the right time, and the Holy Spirit is on the move. And you need to be aware of that, that he wants to work in people's lives more than you do. And so when I say rely on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, in some ways I'm saying simply get out of his way. Mm. The The next commandment, uh, well, it's a little bit touchy for me. <laughs> Commandment number six is thou shalt not substitute marketing for evangelism. Matthew 28, 32. So let's let's unpack this one. Well, marketing is a good thing. I mean, everybody markets. Marketing is just hard work. When you're preaching the gospel, you're marketing. Um, marketing is not the the great Satan. Um, marketing is a tool and marketing is just communicating an idea and, and having people buy in. So we all want that with the gospel. But what a lot of guys do, when I'm talking about marketing here, I'm talking about guys who think I put leaflets out and I put a sexy, flashy website up and they think their work is done. There is no substitute for doing what Paul did, getting out there and talking to people. There's no substitute for that. You need to be praying on your knees. God, open up doors, bring people across my path, and don't substitute. Don't let a leaflet do the work of evangelism for you. Sure, still do the leaflet. Sure, make your website pop as much as you can. But at the same time, realize that you are God's biggest marketer and you are God's biggest tool. Yeah, my comments on that is uh, really along the lines of what you said there's, it's a tool, and I believe God gave us uh, these principles that that you know that we find in marketing and that we find in sales, so we can use them. Yes, but um, what we see too often is people take one extreme or the other. Right? It's either all marketing, a hundred percent. That's it. Or they completely turn it off, and they're like, marketing is of the devil. Yeah, it's all about reading the Bible. You know, I'm just going to stand here and read verse by verse. I'm going to not talk about it at all. And I mean, it's like, it's one extreme or the other. And I think what you hit on is exactly it. Still, you you can use marketing. God gave this to us as a tool, but you can't let it replace the heart to heart one-on-one because that's really where people get changed. And so to me, it's almost like knowing where that needs to be at. Right. Um, Certain things in marketing you can use to bring people 
into the room or into the conversation, but you've got to have someone there who can then pick up the conversation and go with it. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. And if you know the history of the Bible and the history of world missions, you know that the gospels always had great success associated with technology. For example, the invention of the steam engine kicked off the missionary movement, the modern missions movement, because it made it so that people were able to get around the globe a lot easier. Also in the in the Bible, you had David uh, in the age of the Philistines. The Bible tells us quite clearly that Israel didn't know how to work iron. But when David goes over and becomes a mercenary for the Philistines, he brings back the ability to work iron back to Israel. And it talks about how they start making weapons. Well, does that explain the golden age of Israel? Partially. Did God use technology? Yes. But David absolutely gave the credit to the Spirit of God for success and victory in the battle. And so there is a balance in the scripture, in church history, and I think in today's technology that we need to maintain. Well, and think about it. Gutenberg, with the Bible or the the press, I mean, that's really how we got Bibles everywhere. Absolutely. If it it wasn't for that. Yeah, the Reformation came on the back of Gutenberg's uh, printing press, for sure, the Gutenberg Bible. When people got the Bible in their hands, the Reformation kicked off. And then, I mean, I think I've shared this before on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I went to Biola University, and I was a film major. And one of the things I remember my professor saying is, he goes, you know, if you think about it, it's amazing how film actually works and the, the human brain that the human brain can take still images, which is what film is, right? It's filmed at 24 images per second. And it will interpret that as movement, but they are still images. And so his comment was, he goes, I believe God made this in us specifically so we could have mediums like film and TV. And so absolutely, even though it has been perverted over the years with televangelists that we can all think of that are just there for money, <laughs> Um, I got, uh, you know, satellite TV and sometimes late at night, <laughs> I will watch them because one, I'm looking at them going, I cannot believe the words that are coming out of your mouth. Like you are going to be held accountable for this. You're, you're, oh my gosh, I cannot believe what you're saying. You know, specifically the, the, like you're, you're going to, you're going to buy your, your wealth. If you give us money, you're going to buy your salvation. If you give us money. The, um, the the telemarketers, you know, the, the televangelists are, are a oh, lot tele, like yeah. the the televangelists are a lot like um, that show Felicity, right? Like I've never watched an episode of Felicity, but I confess to like stopping and pausing just for entertainment value of is this really this stupid? Can this show actually be this lame? And and you can watch those televangelists sometimes just in utter shock and disbelief. And a morbid curiosity of what stupid thing are they going to say next? And is anyone taking them serious? And you stay. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think about that all the time. People must be because it's not cheap to run those TV. Com- those are basically <laughs> infomercials. They're buying late night TV time and running their infomercials. That means you have to be making more than what you're spending. The stations yeah. aren't letting that guy get up there for free. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> he is paying a lot. But here's a here's a deal, guys. Do not switch off evangelism because you think because you have marketing, you got it covered. Um, there is no response. There is no replacement for the age old, uh, just a dude open to the spirit of God, letting God channel his truth through. Him. 
There's no... Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> All right, uh, moving right along here. Commandment number seven. Thou shalt serve the community and build relationships before your launch. Matthew 10, 5 through 23. You know, I said this on Hardcore Church Planning the other day when we were at Disneyland. I basically said, look, you know, we roll up thinking if we have a logo, a website, and a flashy church name that, we're, you know, we're ready. And yet Paul planted a crazy amount of churches, anywhere from 12 to 24 churches, without any of those things. So if I were to take that from you, um, your uh, logo, and I told you, you can't have a logo. or I, <laughs> I, I do take, that all the time to you. <laughs> yeah, you do. Or maybe that's where I got it from. Or I take your church name away, so you can't call it a little cutesy name. You know, we're Redemption, or we're, you know, whatever it is. Um, I take your cute name away. I say, no, you don't get a church name. You don't get to rely on that. Um, you, and you don't get a website. Go plan a church. What are you going to do? Well, you're probably going to have to do what Paul did in the first century, and that is get out into the community around people and start building relationships. Because I tell you one thing that the Apostle Paul never did in the first century. He never started a church service. What he did is he rolled into town. He didn't advertise a church service and hope that nonbelievers would come. He went where nonbelievers were. He built relationships. He got out in the community. He evangelized them. And as he had conversations with people, even, and sometimes he went to the synagogue, and as he shared the gospel, people got saved. Now, if you can do that, preacher, church planner, if you actually can share the gospel, then you might be a church planner. But if you can't, you need to rethink yourself, you need to rethink your calling, and you need to rethink your church plan. Dig it, man. I dig it. I'm all with you on that. So uh, let's take a look here at Ocho. Number eight. Which did you ever see uh, Herbie the Love Bug growing up? Heck yeah. Dean Martin, baby. Or Dean Jones. Did you see the. Th there was one of the movies where there's like this little uh, uh, Latino kid and he kept calling Herbie Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, at the end, they're like, why do you call him Ocho? His number is 5 and 3, 53. And the guy goes, well, 5 plus 3 is 8. Everybody knows that. <laughs> That's why I'll always remember the number on Herbie. It was 53. I don't remember that. Yeah. Well, now, now you can't forget it. Ocho. So uh, uh, commandment number 8, thou shalt not launch too soon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thou shalt not launch too soon, but spend the proper time building, training, and bonding with your core team. John 2, 4. So one of the biggest mistakes that planners often make is there's such, there's such an excitement to get out there and to launch this church. But what they don't do is they don't train their people. So when the church is launched, the guy thinks he's going to carry the whole thing on his personality and his sermon. And the reality is that the people that he's brought with him, they've all come from other churches. They don't understand hardly anything about what it's going to take to plant a church, what mindset they should have, what the atmosphere of the church plant needs to be, what the core values of the church plant are. Um, we have a bunch of core values that we operate by, things like what would the early church do, which is a maxim that we use to remind ourselves uh, that it doesn't matter all of our equipment. If the equipment breaks, which often happens in a church plant, things go wrong. Um, 
then you're not, you're not majoring on those things. Those are minors. You major on the majors. And we have three majors. And I, I spend about six to nine months training a core team where I'll tell them things like, you know, look, guys, only three things need to happen when we get together. We need to hear from God. God needs to hear from us. And we need to hear from each other. And that takes time to almost deprogram and reprogram Christians. Because if they come with the understanding of their old church, established churches, mega churches, mid-sized churches are completely different than a church plant. And I need to train them and equip them just like I wouldn't throw somebody out into the medical profession without spending a significant time, amount of time uh, training them. I'm going to not expect these people in a church plant to be spectators. I'm going to expect them to be participants. And because of that, I'm going to need to spend ample time training them. But when you launch too soon, you're telling your people, I want you to be spectators. And if that's what you want, fine, but your church plan's going to suffer. Let me let me ask you two questions as it relates to this, and they might challenge this, this commandment. First question is this. Would you say then that uh, in that six to nine-month period when you're training your core team – does your church look more like a house church at that point? Yeah, I would say regardless of where you meet, you're not running a service. You're literally having a time where you're presenting truth, you're eating a meal, you're building relationships. So what, what I typically do is I have people come together. We eat together first. We have a big potluck. It could be different every night, Italian night, Mexican night, Indian food night, whatever. And then we uh, will go through a little bit of teaching. And the majority of it will be discussion. We'll have about an hour, 45 minutes of discussion and a time of worship and prayer. And this thing will go a couple of hours. We're not, we're not there to throw a service. We're there to bond together. We're there to pray together. We're there to worship Jesus together. And we're there to bond in all of those areas that we're gonna, are going to be the foundation of what we're doing. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it does. It's very informal. And I always tell people, sit in a circle so that everyone can get to know everybody. Don't don't sit in rows. Don't don't try to have a mini church service. Well, then a follow up question that I've got is this: We've got a, a church planner that you and I have both talked to that um, is probably launching his church too early. Yeah. What would you say then, when you we look back at some of the things that Paul did? Where I mean, he didn't wait six to nine months to build up a core team. In many cases, I mean, in many well, cases. He- he did, and the reason that I say he did was back then the amount of travel that they had to do to get from point A to point B. Um, during that time, that's what he was doing. He was building. Not only was he forming the core team uh, on the journey, but they were getting their hands dirty before they moved on to the next place. So in many senses, if you read between the lines of the book of Acts, Paul had months where he was building these teams together and going on mission with them, which is also something you ought to be doing during your core team development. Remember, I said earlier in commandment number seven, thou shalt serve the community and build relationships before your launch. So you're out in the community together doing evangelism as a team. And that's surely one of the best ways to bond. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, let's take a look here at commandment number nine. Thou shalt never value gifting above character. First Timothy 3, 1 through 13. 
You know, uh, this is one for me when I was 19 years old. I mean, I go back and I listen to my sermons from back then and I'm horrified, but I could, I could hold a congregation at 20, 21 years old, um, a large congregation. And my preaching gift has always been something that, uh, has, has almost kind of been, how do I put it? Like, I'm not saying I'm the best preacher in the world. I'm just saying that it's always been uh, greater than my maturity level. And so I say that as a guy who went into ministry at 19 and, you know, was reading Spurgeon and Lloyd-Jones and Puritans and um, systematic theology books and probably knew more than I lived, a lot more than I lived. And I think a lot of us are, are those who talk the things of God, don't always live the things of God. And that's why Paul, when he comes into the qualifications for a planner, uh, or excuse me, an elder, um, or any kind of leader for that matter, um, his key criteria is he deals with character, not gifting. We thrust people into that role because of their gifting. Mm. Um, like I said, when I was young, the doors opened for me. Um, you know, I think I was 23, 24. Yeah, I was 24 and at Lloyd Jones's church. And, uh, as an evangelist because of my preaching gift, it just doors open for me. And, um, the reality is that, uh, that unfortunately, if your character never catches up to your gifting, that's where the enemy takes you out. And so focus on your character like Paul does in first Timothy three. Um, and let your, let your gifting be what it is sometimes that it can just be an illusion. And, uh, it's not the substance of who you are. It's how God might use you, but it's not you. Hmm. Let's hit it on uh, number 10 here, which is uh, a biggie. Uh, commandment number 10 to church planning, thou shalt be mentored, Philippians 2.22. Philippians 2.22 is a verse that was prophetically given to me um, the day that I was waiting in a Starbucks, ready to meet uh, Pastor Bill Welsh, my sinning pastor. And as I sat there, I just heard a voice in my head say, Philippians 2.22. And I was waiting to meet him and interview him as a candidate. I was the interim pastor of uh, Refuge Huntington Beach at that time and had been the assistant pastor before the pastor uh, that I served under had moral failure. And as I sat there waiting and that voice came in, I had no idea what that was. But that verse, when I looked it up, said, you know how as a son with his father, Timothy has served me. Uh, with me in the gospel. And that became a precious verse that I would hold up for my relationship with Bill. And, and at that time, I thought I knew everything. I was a young man and God was very gently trying to tell me, hey, stupid, you need guys that have been in this game longer than you. You need guys that see what you don't see. And that old saying that, and, it, and it's my favorite saying, cause I'm 42 now and I can quote this, but, uh, Young men think old men are fools, but old men know young men are fools. And that's one of my favorite quotes because the reality is once you get older, you still realize you don't know everything, but you know it now. When you're young, you think you know everything. And I, I still need mentors, but particularly in church planning, you absolutely need mentors. You need people to challenge you, to light a candle under you. And we've talked about this on, you know, a number of podcasts, but it's it's probably why 
I'm, some of you probably think of Pete and, and I in a weird way as kind of like your mentors. Maybe you've never met us, but well, well, maybe one of us as their mentor. Yeah, yeah, maybe like Ruben says, Pete's my pastor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you know, having a mentor, someone that you learn from, someone who can teach you, someone who can uh, shore up those areas where you're weak, that is very very valuable. I would say that that Paul uh, served as a mentor. Just the the New Testament model is that of mentoring and discipling uh, people who you're really grooming to take your place in ministry and outdo you. And you need someone who will pour into you and invest a bit of their journey into your journey so that you'll go further than they did. I um, I agree. I mean, mentoring is, uh, it's one of the things that has allowed me to achieve the level of success that I've had in business. And even as I, continue to grow in different areas of business. It's really because of the mentorship that I've gotten. And um, a lot of times you got to pay for that mentorship, like in business, especially in business, not, not so much the same situation in, um, in church planning, hopefully. Right. I mean, certainly there are things like cohorts, jump school, um, you know, even your train station, which is a, a form of mentorship. That's a little bit different though, but uh, but I can look back over my business career and for things to take the quantum leaps has always been because I have found the right mentor that I've teamed up with yeah. and the right mentor has been able to guide me along the path that I didn't know existed. I didn't know how to, uh, navigate the path, uh, the pitfalls, the, the, you know, the stumbling blocks, all that stuff. And to me, I mean, that's that's the real benefit of a mentorship. If you think you can do it alone because you are so smart and so gifted, you're setting yourself up for failure. Like you and I both know of a church planner who you and I talked to at one time. And it was kind of obvious to us that there was an arrogance and an ego there that was going to trip him up or he would not necessarily trip him up. We thought maybe at one time he just, he's young, right? He's young. Yeah. Was even though age wise, he wasn't necessarily young. He, he was handling things like a young man would handle them. Right. And we ended up seeing his, his church plant, which was very, very successful. Um, ultimately come crashing down. Yeah. And, I mean that there was no mentorship there. There was no mentorship there. It was almost like I'm smarter than all these guys. Yeah. I know how to do this and this is the way it needs to be done. Yeah. And he didn't Absolutely. have that sounding board. He didn't have someone to pull him back and go, wait a second here. Well, and that that's one of the things about a mentor is, and I like the way you put it where you said the right mentor, because um, some guys might think, you know, Oh, I see this guy over here. Um, he's got a big church or he, this and that he must be the guy I go to. And the reality is we've seen all across, you know, Christendom in the, in the last 50 years where a guy's church size has nothing to do with his character or his Christ likeness. And so what, what, what I would say is some of my mentors have been guys who, uh, they, no one else would ever know about them. But the reason that they're mentors to me is they walk humbly with God and they, they remind me 
of Jesus. Mm. They remind me to walk with him and I need that. I struggle with arrogance. I struggle with being full of myself. I struggle with all those things that everybody else struggles with. And I need guys who they've just let go and they've made it about Jesus and they're content in that. And those are the men that the spirit really uses in my life. The, the great men, I don't chase their coattails because they're not what I need. In fact, if I'm chasing them, I'm probably chasing them for the wrong reasons because I want their toys, I want their goodies. The reality is it's the guys that have that humble, quiet walk with the Lord who inspire me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think too, you can uh, you can learn stuff from a lot of different people. Like people can mentor you in different ways and it's not like your main mentor, right? Where- right. You know, you, you might meet somebody who might be a church planner or a pastor. Maybe they're not, you know, in formalized ministry that they can still mentor to you. Really what it is is it's it's having an attitude of I don't know it all. I can learn something from probably everyone. Everybody. And I want to be a collector and an implementer of great ideas. Like that's kind of the the business philosophy that I've got. I want to be yeah. not just a collector of great ideas because that's not enough. I want to then take those great ideas that people have shared and I want to implement them. And it's kind of the same way with church planning is you want to be a collector of great ideas, of great uh, leadership ideas. and then but, but still, back to that original point of there still needs to also be a core mentor in your life. Yeah. Someone who you can call on, someone who will hold you accountable someone who's hopefully gone up the path before you and can, you know, help you navigate those pitfalls. Cause I mean, you can learn something from everybody, but you still need that core, that core mentor, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. Those are the uh, 10 commandments of church planning. You want to read back down through them? No, you go for it, man. <laughs> Is this going to be like a David Letterman? Number 10, thou shalt be mentored. <laughs> Number nine, Thou shalt never value gifting above character. Number eight, thou shalt not launch too soon, but spend the proper time building, training, and bonding with your core team. Number seven, thou shalt serve the community and build relationships before you launch. Number six, thou shalt not substitute marketing for evangelism. Number five, thou shalt rely on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Number four, thou shalt build an effective core team made up of the five roles found in Ephesians 4.10. Number three, Thou shalt not judge, judge. <laughs> That's a good one. Thou shalt not just target the middle class. Number two, thou shalt know your mission and make reaching lost people a priority. And the number one church planning commandment is thou shalt let Jesus be the head of the church. Amen. Ding, 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 ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Well, uh, this episode of the Church Planner Podcast has been brought to you by SimplifyChurch.com. Absolutely. And Simplify Church has absolutely changed my life. It is for the non-math pastor, the guy who doesn't want to deal with taxes or finances in any way, shape, or form. You need SimplifyChurch.com. And they will do all of the cruddy, crappy stuff that every church plant needs, but no pastor wants to do. Check them out. SimplifyChurch.com. Cool. Uh, you want to sign us out or any final parting comments, snide remarks? Well, this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you 
If you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. And to keep the Ten Commandments. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music